0: Welcome this morning to to our morning service, Sunday morning service. We continue to fight on our knees, I believe. We continue to fight on our knees as 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 that song said. And one of the songs that we sang this morning, we fight on our knees. I mean, that's such a bizarre concept. And uh, this morning I pray that we are drawn uh, to this idea more and more of being able to fight on our knees. You know, that is... um, Really worth thinking about, you know, the idea of the battle belongs to the Lord. So I've been sharing the last couple of weeks to be able to stand and to know that we've got to fight a battle internally, um, even before we fight a battle externally. And I pray that you are uh, doing that. I pray that you're doing that faithfully and you're winning those battles internally, those that go on at war within you that's what I'm particularly concerned about for you, that I see your faith growing in this way. We're not special people. We're not special men. Uh, Those who meet on a, you know, the leaders and elders that meet on a a Monday night and care for this church, we're not any more special than you. Uh, God has just granted this opportunity. God has just granted us this responsibility. So continue to pray for us as we continue to pray for you as we fight the bigger battle on our knees together. It's an absolute privilege to do that To do that with you. Let's pray for one another. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you so much for all my brothers and sisters, and thank you for the love that we have for one another that you have placed in our hearts. Father, remind us all of the strength and the goodness of the Lord. Pray your hand be upon this church and upon your word this morning, that it may go forth the way you want it to go forth and that you may speak with words of encouragement and truth. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. I do want to thank you, um, do want to welcome you again for for being here this morning. Uh, For those who are here for the first time, welcome to to our service. Uh, Usually we have an opportunity to sing some worship together when we're at church, uh, and then we'll have some time to share with you the word of God. Why do we share with you the word of God? Because it is, at the end of the day, our rock and our foundation. And if you are a Christian and if you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, there is absolutely no excuse for not being in the word of God. Absolutely no excuse. You can give me, I've probably heard all the reasons why people have told me why they can't get into God's word and they can't regularly read God's word and I can't be reflecting on God's word. You can give me any reason you want, but I'll come back lovingly and say to you, there's absolutely no excuse why well, you can't be in the Word of God. It is your life. It is the very thing that is going to feed your soul and to lift your soul. And it's the very thing that's going to be the rock in all things that go through you go through in life. So the Word of God, and I'm telling you how often you so I'm not telling you how long you need to read it and how many chapters you need to read. I'm just saying to you that the Word of God is absolutely critical in your life, to be reading it regularly, daily, to be making sure that your life, Your head, your heart is in the word of God. And uh, I pray this morning that uh, as I share with you God's word, that you are drawn closer and closer to the one who means so much to us, and that's the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ as we look at his word. I'm going to, uh, soon I'll go to one verse in the Bible, um, and then I want to make reference to a few other verses as well. We know if you read through the Bible, you'll know that the Bible does speak Uh, fairly regularly through the Bible around this idea of friendship. And the idea that talks about a friend, the idea of the Bible speaking about friends in in the word, says to me that it's something that is uh, significant and important to God himself. That God who designed the whole idea of friendship, designed it and and put it in his word because for us, he would have understood that for us, it is an an important concept. It's an important part of life. And he puts it in his word, and we learn something about the idea of, of friends and friendship, and, and and ways to help friends and ways to make friends, and and, and there's this is this reference in the scriptures because uh, it's important for God, and he knows it's important for us as well. So he communicates to us this idea of friendship. How many times, perhaps, you heard your your son or your daughter or. Or maybe you've heard each other say to one another, "Oh, you know, she's my best friend, or he's my best friend." And um, and, and so this idea of that people get excited about having someone that's really close to them, and and uh, and regardless of what your thoughts are on best friends, it, the idea is that people people uh, are drawn to this idea of being close to someone. Do you have one best friend? Do you do you have some best friends? Do you have close friends? Do you have people around you that you consider to be close to you uh, in some ways? Or do you have hundreds of friends on, on social media, you know, people who like to talk about, you know, how many friends they've got on social media, you know, 300, 3,000, 10,000, whatever it is, followers. I mean, maybe they're followers more than friends, I'm not sure. But but um, this idea of having lots of friends makes you feel like somehow of, of more significance and 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 more value uh, in the eyes of other people because you have more friends. Is that, what, is that what it's really about? Is it about having more friends? Is it about making sure that people like what you do, people like what you say? Is that the idea? Is that God's concept around friendship and what he wants us to have in friendships? I'm not sure. I'm not, not convinced that what, that's what God's idea of friendship is. And so, this morning, I want to share with you something about this idea, and in particular, Jesus Himself and the role He plays in this. Friendships are very important, and uh, the the older you get, and, and and the older you know you become, you you are really um, there is a real privilege about being able to make new friends. There's a privilege, particularly in the church, of making new friends, and. And getting to know new people and and learning about their faith and being encouraged by their faith, but there's a particular honour around maintaining some really close friends as well. So maintaining over the years, there's a sense of honour of being able to keep friendships for for many many years that that uh, the Lord has allowed us to have. And these these. Friendships, in whatever shape or form they are, they they play a significant role in, in our lives. The Bible tells us that in some respects they are good for our own accountability, you know, for being able to remain accountable to different things in life. The Bible tells us here, for instance, in Proverbs 27, that faithful are the wounds of a friend. You know, that's an interesting verse because uh, what what uh, the, the the wisdom writer is telling us here is that you know sometimes friends will tell us the truth, and that truth about our own lives is for our good. And though it feels like a bit of a wound, if because it's done with such love and such care and such concern, that these 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 words are faithful to us because they speak truth into our life, and they're allowing us to to learn something about ourselves because someone cares for us. It's not some kind of just um, quick comment to cut at us, but rather it's a it's a care, it's a concern in some ways. We know friendships are important because the Bible tells us that who you hang around with are the sorts of people that can uh, influence your behaviour, you know, that um, this is the kind of thing where God is reminding us that even choose the right friends, choose the people around you because we know we know that it's important for us to be mingling with those that actually ha- help us. The Bible tells us that he who you, uh, um, is, uh, mixes with the wise becomes wise. This is the ideal. Evil communications corrupt good manners because at the end of the day, if you mix with the wise, then, then this is what you become. However, if you mix with those who... Uh, behave badly, well, this is what's going to influence you. And so the scripture tells us these things. It reminds us of the importance of having good friendships around us. But at the same time, one of the beautiful verses in Proverbs 17 says this, this love of friendships is undeniable because a love, uh, sorry, a friend loves at all times. Isn't that beautiful? A friend loves at all times. What does that mean, at all times? Is there a time that a friend stops loving? Is there a time where the friend says, I can't love you anymore? Is there a time when the friend isn't able to endure anymore in these circumstances? Is there a time? But is when two friends come before the Lord Jesus Christ and and believe, believe in what the Lord is doing, then the Bible is very clear, a friend loves at all times. This is what Christian friendship looks like. This is the ability to be able to love at all times. There isn't a circumstance, no matter how deep a cut someone, there isn't a circumstance that is able to separate the best of friends. This This is where God, not because we call each other best friends, but rather because of the love that he puts in our hearts. Thank God for this. Thank God for this great friendship that he establishes. And you'll see, as as I share with you some scriptures today, you'll see how important, how significant uh, this idea is perhaps, if you like, in the heart um, from the word of God and particularly when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you are familiar, would be familiar with the the very old hymn written back in 1855 by Joseph Scriven. I believe it might have been a poem first before it was a hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. Some of you would be familiar with that hymn. It's a beautiful hymn. Even if you, you know, aren't into hymns, even if you don't like hymns, this is definitely a must. Like you've got you, you to gotta somehow just try and listen to it as well. It's, it's, it's a beautiful hymn. Uh, it's beautifully sung. And um, I want to read the words out to you. I want to read the words, and then I want to go to a proverb in eight, chapter 18. Uh, And I want you to reflect on these words this morning uh, before I share with you some scriptures. What a friend we have in Jesus, yeah? What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. Just how many times have we sung this song, brothers and sisters? Those of you that have sung this song with me many, many times, just reflect, reflect on just for a moment. Take a moment. There's going to be a bit of reflection this morning, and I want you to do this. Take a moment just to reflect on this song. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins. Is there a sin he doesn't bear? All our grief, is there something we're grieving about that he doesn't bear? All our sins and griefs to bear. And what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. To be able to take to the Lord and to carry them to the Lord, not then to carry them back, not then to, to tie a rope from, your, from what you leave with God and when you walk away so you can kind of stay attached to it, but to be able to carry and cast everything at the foot of the cross and say, Lord Jesus, I can't carry this anymore. All our griefs and sins to bear. And then it goes on to say, what peace. Listen. What peace we often forfeit. What needless pain we bear. What a beautiful song. What peace we give up, we forfeit. What pain we carry that's needless. We often bear this pain because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We try and hold on to it. We overanalyze it. We, 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 we break it into parts. We try and get in control of it. We, we want to be in control of situations. We want to understand every little bit of detail and to the point where it wears us out. I've done that. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. To be able to come to a place, no matter how young or how old you are, And to be able to say confidently in your heart, Lord, this is yours. Lord, this is yours. And to be able to be a testimony and a witness that when someone asks you, a Christian might ask you, you're able to say in your heart, I've given that to the Lord. The song goes on to say, have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And then it finishes with this. Can we find a friend so faithful? Can we? All your followers on Instagram, all your followers on Snapchat, all your follow- all the followers on social media, can we find a friend so faithful? Just the other day I was talking to someone and I was encouraging them to trust the Lord and I was saying to them, because... People will let you down. This is life. But the Lord won't. The Lord will not let you down. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Walking with us, sharing our sorrows with us. Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. What a beautiful song. To know that Jesus understands every weakness, every ailment, every battle that goes on within. him. To know that even through this time, even in our state, even in our city, Jesus understands every single thing that is going on, even the concerns of the future. He understands every single thing and he looks to us and says, bring it to me. Bring it to me. All I ask you to do is seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness. And I believe when we come to this place, brothers and sisters, there is rest. There is rest. And nothing you can say to me will stop me from loving you. And nothing that I can say to you will stop you from loving me. And we take it to the Lord in prayer, who knows our every weakness, who all our sorrows Share. And I pray that perhaps throughout the week you can reflect on these words, you can reflect on the song, but more importantly, that we can learn from the depth of our hearts that there is no one more faithful, no friend so faithful than the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And with that in mind, I'd like to share with you one verse from Proverbs chapter 18. And if you go to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24 and we'll read this verse out together. It's a beautiful verse that every now and again I come across, and it's sort of a comforting verse, a reassuring verse, a verse of, like God saying, just almost communicating his, his, his love and his care. In Proverbs 18, verse 24, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. I mean, that's... That's another message in itself, which I don't really want to focus on today, but it is good, and and young people, children, even even kids at school, remember, you know, when we want to have friends, it doesn't start by just being the coolest kid in the world. It doesn't start by having the most money. It doesn't start by being the best athlete. Just to have friends. Very simple. You've got to be friendly. Friendly in the right way. Friendly in the good way that attracts the good friends, that attracts the friends that you are really going to help you in life. But that aside, what I really want to focus on is the second part. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Yeah, we can have many friends. We can have many friends. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Isn't this a theological dream, this verse? You know, I imagine theologians have... And Christians have discussed and wrestled out this scripture uh, for generations. And maybe you have a different opinion to me, but I'm going to share with you some thoughts about this verse because I love this verse. And what the Bible wants to tell us is that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Who in the world? Because brothers typically, the idea of a brother typically, they are very close. Two brothers are very close. And who in the world is going to stick closer than a brother? More than a (laughs) neighbour, even. Who is going to stick closer than a brother? Then, of course, we know 100%. This is, without any doubt in my mind, a beautiful reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. A beautiful reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. Who can we find a friend so faithful? With all our our sorrows share. Listen to what Jesus said here in John 15. I'll just read some verses out to you. And I want to ask you this. I want you to reflect on this idea of Jesus, Jesus at the end of the day, sticking closer than a brother. Jesus at the end of the day being the closest friend you'll ever know. The one not only who washes your sins away, but the one who becomes so intimately involved in your life that not even a hair of your head will fall without his permission. Jesus said to his disciples, no longer do I call you servants, John 15, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. Why does he choose to tell them this? Because he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's a friend that is able to break through all the barriers that think that we think we can't get to God. You know, the amount of times that guilt and shame keep people away from God, you probably experience it now. You probably experience such guilt and shame in your life that you think, why would God even look at me? You might even be thinking about something you've done recently. You think, why in the world would God even consider me? And yet... He breaks through all this. This is the intimacy of the friendship of the Lord. He breaks through all of this and he passes through everything so you can know his great love, that you are melted and humbled by the love of Christ because this love is what restores your soul and allows you to flee from the ugliness of sin. Don't be ashamed, brother. Don't be embarrassed, sister. We've all done similar things. But to know the love of Jesus, who sticks closer than a brother, who sticks closer than a sister, someone who holds on despite who you are and what you've been, only for you to be rescued and restored fully. He says, I don't call you servants anymore, I call you friends. For all things that I've heard from my Father, I have made known to you. He's communicated to them all the beautiful truths of his Father because he loves them. He wants them them to know intimate truth. This friend that Jesus is, is a friend that was misunderstood by people or not so much misunderstood, it was hard to comprehend by the people around him. You know why? Because such a holy man, such a righteous man, you know, they couldn't comprehend how could such a holy and righteous man mingle so much with sinners. Even when the woman came with the alabaster box to to what to wash his feet with and to wipe it with her hair, and, and Simon says, you know, if this man was so good and so righteous, he would know who this woman is because she's a sinner, as if to say, you know, she's the only sinner in the world. And so they couldn't comprehend this great love of Jesus that melts the sinner's heart into righteousness. And at one point in his ministry, we see how Jesus is considered to have gone too far. Yet this is not. This is uh, only a, a reflection of how far the love of Christ is because of his love for us. The Bible tells us the Son of Man came eating. Uh, sorry. Um, he tells the people, the son of man came eating and drinking and they say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So they, they were calling him a friend of sinners. What a beautiful title. What a beautiful title for the son of God. Thank God he was a friend of sinners. Otherwise, I'd still be on my way to hell. And Jesus, because of his great friendship, and the way he's able to melt the heart of sin and, and rebuild it into a heart of righteousness says to his disciples, You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Because now he knows the transformation is real. We don't take the friendship for granted. We don't say, Hey, we're friends of Jesus, and then we go off and do what we want to do. That's wrong. He says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Because his friendship transforms. His friendship restores. His friendship rebuilds. His friendship makes us like him. And anybody that says, oh, yeah, I'm a friend of Jesus, but, but, but find themselves dabbling and playing with sin, I find hard to believe. Anybody says, I'm a friend of Jesus because I know the scriptures and I've confessed and given my life to him and still still wants to entertain their sin, I find it hard to believe, only because the scripture doesn't teach me this. And if you and I are a friend of Jesus, then we are a friend of righteousness. We are a friend of holiness. We are a friend of of, of selflessness. We are a friend that will will, uh, allow uh, Christ to reign in us. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. What does the scripture say? But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That is my friends, the Lord Jesus Christ. But can I say, I also believe there's another application to this. And I believe what the Lord is trying to communicate to us as well is that there is a a beautiful picture in here of how when the Lord puts this love in our hearts for one another, this we become that friend that sticks closer than a brother to each other. We become that friend that sticks closer than a brother to one another because a friend loves at all times. A friend is able to cover through love a multitude of sins. This is is the great love that we have for one another. It is so strong that it sticks closer than a brother that typically is considered to be close and strong, that we as believers and our love for each other is like this because we pursue the same one. Because this is our heart's desire. Sometimes people say of me that maybe I should be uh, more bold, more strong, more more firm. I, I am who I am. I can only do what I can do. But I tell you the truth, brothers and sisters, my heart beats for love for you and my heart beats for righteousness. I don't always get it right. I don't always say it right. I probably mess up lots with my words. I probably should. I probably could come across differently at times. Maybe be more direct at times. I don't know. Maybe be more confrontational at times. Maybe maybe I can be like that. I don't. Maybe I need to be like that. But my heart does it because I love you. My heart does it because I love righteousness. Can I tell you something that um, the Lord hates? That's a pretty strong phrase, isn't it, that the Lord hates. And I want you to reflect on this. Because we are this friend to one another, we are faithful to the Lord, brothers and sisters, and we are selfless to one another. And you've got to ask this very simple question, are you selfless? Are you faithful and are you selfless to each other? Proverbs 6 tells us this, there are six things that the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. And I want you to consider this because these are the things that gets in the way of us sticking closer than a brother. Listen, and if the Lord hates them, we've got to take them pretty seriously. This is a proud look, a lying tongue. doesn't matter, white lie, dark lie, black lie, it doesn't matter, a lying tongue hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies and one who sows discord among the brethren. This is seven things that the Lord says I hate. If we don't take this seriously seriously, boy, I don't know what else we can do because there's a strong language here that God is giving us. And he wants us to know that when you're proud, he hates the proud look. He hates lying tongues. He hates people who shed innocent blood, devising wicked plans, running to evil, speaking lies as false witness, and then sowing division amongst the brethren. He hates these things. And so for me in my heart, I'm thinking, Lord, If you don't want me to sow division, how do I then stick closer than my brother to my brother? How do I stick even closer? And I can't do this unless there's an absolute selflessness to be defrauded rather than to defraud. This is the Lord's call on our lives, on my life, on our lives. This is what I believe is the power. And the strength of the church. You know, I have this theory that says as carnality rises in the church, showed you this concept of church splits. And I reckon I might be right that as carnality rises in the church, this mentality, this idea you hear about it all the time, church splitting. And if only if the church, the members, the leaders, whoever it is, stopped being carnal and started being selfless, dying to themselves, laying their life down, like Jesus said, no greater love than to lay down your life for your friend, laying their life down, then I believe what will happen, you'll see the amount of church splits incredibly decrease. Because this is what unites. The Bible says put on love. Listen, put on love, which is the bond, of perfection. And so the Lord tells us here to do this and to guard our hearts against these things that He hates. And you need to reflect on this, and I need to reflect on this because I believe God is bigger than all of this. And I'm absolutely confident that He's carrying the fellowship. I have no doubt. I have no doubt He's carrying the fellowship. And we're going to look back one day and think, praise the Lord. How great is our God. Great is your faithfulness because you saw us through and we shone with your righteousness. I have no doubt. Remember the two disciples who came to Jesus, James and John, and they said, Jesus, we want to ask you for a favour. And Jesus said, what's the favour? And they said, oh, we want to sit on your right hand and on your left hand in glory. And Jesus said, well, you know, <laughs> Uh, you're prepared to be baptized with the baptism you're going to be baptized with? And they said, yeah, we're prepared to do these things. And he went through a bit of a conversation with them. Then he said, look, I can't give you this. It's only for those who it's permitted to give or, or granted to give to sit on the right hand and on my left hand in glory. Well, the other 10 heard them and the Bible says they became greatly displeased with them because these are the things that happen. Things get in the way of the disciples. Things get in the way of the churches. And so when the 10 heard the two talking like this, thinking what are they talking about, trying to get sort of in with Jesus and and showing favour with Jesus, they become greatly displeased. I'm not sure why the Bible uses that language. Maybe it could have even been stronger than that, but, but the Bible says they became greatly displeased with the two. Because they wanted something, they, they asked Jesus of something that maybe they themselves, they became envious of, I'm not sure, but they became greatly displeased. Here is the seed of division starting. So what does Jesus say? Whoever desires to become great among you, he goes back and, tells, and calls them and says, come, 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 let me tell you something. Whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servants. Well, that would have put things back into perspective for him. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be a slave of all. I don't know, brothers and sisters, but you know what? All my Christian life, that's all I've wanted to do. I've never God my witness. I've never pursued leadership. I've never said in my heart I'm going to get to the top. It's never been my desire. But... And God forbid, I don't even even see myself like that. But what Jesus is saying, if you want to be first, you shall be a slave of all. And my desire, our desire is to be a slave to one another. That we pick up the towel and we wash each other's feet, even the one that's going to betray us. You know, the enemy, has, um, the enemy has many devices that he tries to bring division. He has devices, the devil will have devices in your marriages. Think about your marriage for a moment. Think about the little devices that the devil uses in your marriages to try and bring division. Words that your partner says to you, habits that your partner has, comments that they may make. Hobbies that they might have. The devil is going to use different things, devices that are going to seed, sow seeds of division in your marriage. Why? Because he wants to split. The devil is going to do things to plant seeds of division in your friendships. So you no longer stick closer than a brother. Again, things that people might do, why people might let you down, promises they don't keep. So why does it surprise us that he's not going to do the same thing and plant seeds even in the churches all over the world? And the Christian or the churches are like prey, gullible, because of their carnality. They just get sucked up in his plan. But thanks be to God who grants us mercy and puts love in our hearts because we come to him selfless as slaves, washing each other's feet and confident to know that we, because of his grace, stick closer than a brother. I'm encouraged, brothers and sisters, I'm encouraged in how uh, we're working together and I'm encouraged in how we're sticking closer than a brother and a sister to one another. I'm encouraged when I see that around. I'm encouraged by the things that I hear. And I believe that we need to continue uh, to carry one another and to bear with one another, despite our various opinions, that we, we continue to bear and carry with one another because Our great desire, your great desire, my great desire is that we stay true to the word of God and when we believe that and we do that humbly and selflessly and faithfully, we have absolute confidence that it's the Lord who carries us through. Us, we're weak, but it will be a testimony to the power of God. How do we do this? Well, we keep praying for one another, absolutely. We keep praying for each other and we keep carrying each other. But let me give you something to think about before I finish. How do we do this? What does this friend look like that sticks closer than a brother? How can you leave today and think, yeah, I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother? What are some very practical ways and words to reflect on? Well, let me give you very quickly, don't be overwhelmed by this, let me give you 13 words. You're probably thinking, what's he doing? What time are we going to finish today? <laughs> but um, seriously just very quickly, I want you to think about these words 13 words that reveal in your heart. My heart, are we sticking closer than a brother? Uh, and 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 you'll, you'll be very familiar with these words, very familiar. A friend, my, my brothers and sisters, a friend who sticks closer than a brother or a sister suffers long. Suffers long, incredibly patient. Not patient to the point where we can't be patient anymore, because then I question what's patience, but patient beyond what is normal patience for us. A friend is kind, a friend's not envious. This Christian friend, this Christian friendship that we talk about, it's not envious. It's not about having the same likes. I like this food, you like that food. Uh, I I like this sport, you like that sport. That's not the Christian friendship I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about a Christian friendship that suffers long even when we don't agree on something. Kindness. doesn't get envious. Oh, so-and-so is is. Is so applauded by others, and so and so is so liked by others. It doesn't get envious. It would rather esteem others better than themselves. A Christian friend is not boastful. Number four, Christian friends not boastful. It doesn't go around, you know, uh, parading itself, so to speak. A Christian friend number five is not puffed up. Or another way of saying is is inflated. You know, when someone's got an inflated ego. A Christian friend's not like that. It's not puffed up and with an inflated ego. You know, I don't think people, generally speaking, I don't think people realize they have an inflated ego. I don't people think people walk around thinking, yeah, my ego is pretty inflated. I'm puffed up. I don't think people confess that willingly or even knowingly. I don't think they even are aware that they have such an inflated ego until, listen, and even then they live in denial sometimes, until, listen, when something's inflated, the smallest, the smallest, the smallest of needles pricks them. And then bang. And then, of course, it's someone else's problem and why did that person prick me and all this, you know, It's someone else's problem because their ego has been deflated. It's never never a self-reflection on what they could have done differently. But a friend doesn't have an inflated ego. Next one, they're not rude. They're not rude face-to-face. They're not rude on social media. They're just not rude. If you are rude, you're not a Christian friend. You do not operate with love. If you speak rudely, if you communicate rudely, whether it be written or verbal, it is not Christian love. I don't care what someone tells me. It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked. The next one. That's another word for being irritated. How many times do Christians justify the irritation of other people and say, oh, they're so irritating, and they talk about it to other people. He's so irritating. She's so irritating. They're not provoked. The next one, they think no evil. They think no evil. Another way possibly of saying this is that it does not keep an account of wrongs, as in we're storing them up ready for that day when we we blurt it out, yeah, well, let me tell you what you've done. Bang, 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 bang. It doesn't keep an account of wrongs because they stick closer than a brother, they cover a multitude of sins. It doesn't rejoice in sin, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. This is what a Christian brother and sister does to one another who sticks closer than a brother. What they do, they bear all things. They believe all things. That's why my hope and my confidence is in what the Lord's doing in us. They believe all things. They hope all things. They endure all things. All things. All. Because love never fails. Now, of course, you guys knew what I was doing. Because love never fails. Oh, it rejoices my heart, brothers and sisters, to know that when there is love the way Christ loves, it will never fail. Let's encourage each other. Let's stick closer than a brother. Let's stick closer than a sister. If you... Have not done this, or if you have stopped doing this, and someone feels like you don't love them anymore, you have to change it. You can't live like this. This is not love. This is not love. Go humble yourself. Say to your friend, say to your brother, say to your sister, Forgive me. I have made you feel like this. I love you. And if you don't believe me and you don't believe his word, please come and talk because if I'm wrong, (laughs) I'm happy to be wrong. Let me finish with this, brothers and sisters. When Jesus chose his disciples, and some of you would be familiar with what I'm about to share When Jesus chose his disciples, did Jesus get it wrong? Of course not. Of course he didn't get it wrong when he chose his 12 disciples. Even Judas, who was to betray him, he didn't get it wrong. Did Jesus get it wrong? No. More significantly for this purpose this morning, did Jesus um, aim to get his disciples compatible did he think to himself, let me seek out 12 men that kind of are similar and, and that are that are of like mind and who have like passions and who have a similar faith and, 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 and who will get along generally because the last thing I need is headaches in the ministry, you know. Did he seek out men who were by nature compatible? No and no again because it was furthest from the truth. He sought out men who were called by him despite how incompatible they were, how much different their opinions were, how much different their convictions were, even political convictions. He brought them together and it was a demonstration of the power of God. This is love. Do a study on the disciples and be blown away. By how different they were. A beautiful example of this was Simon the Zealot. Now the Zealots were a very powerful group. They they kind of. Um, uh, uh, were formed, were, they were formed between the Old and New Testament. They were basically a Jewish group that, that wanted to withstand the, the influences of other cultures. I think firstly it began with the Greek cultures and then it became the Roman culture and they were they were resisting. They were resisting the influences and they were trying to protect Judaism. They were, they were self-appointed. They weren't God-appointed. They were self-appointed and they became, so to some people suggest, they became like a terrorist group. They were very violent, even some suggest killing others for the sake of protecting Judaism against Greek culture and Roman oppression. So could you imagine Simon the Zealot being called by Jesus, who was one of them, opposing anything Roman and the oppression of the Romans? Imagine Jesus calling Simon the Zelda into his group and all of a sudden seeing Matthew, who was a tax collector, despised by the Jewish people, who who was ripping people off, basically ripping his own people off under the Roman government, and he calls Matthew into his disciples and he says, Simon, hey, Simon, let me introduce you to Matthew. Simon probably was of his nature prepared to kill Matthew. His own political agenda to destroy Matthew. He was working for people he despised, and imagine bringing them together over a meal, saying, "Boys, let me talk to Pete Simon's Matthew. Matthew's Peter. Peter, Simon." And, and 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 all of a sudden, these men are confronted. But because they knew Jesus, and because they knew the depth of His own love for them which melted their hearts and rebuilt them for a love for one another, unlike this world, and stood together, not against the Roman Empire, but stood together for the gospel, for the truth of the word. And never in the scriptures do you see them divide, split, and God was faithful to them. And the world was transformed because of them. How beautiful in Psalm 2 it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Psalm 133. How beautiful, sorry, how pleasant and how good it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. And at the end of that psalm it says, For there The Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. What a friend we have in Jesus. The God who commands the blessing because the brethren dwell together in unity. What a friend we have in Jesus, absolutely. Who sticks closer to a brother, absolutely. Let our hearts be drawn to him and through this let us imitate this to one another, sticking closer, sticking closer than anything because of the love that we have for each other. Let me pray for us, brothers and sisters. Father, thank you. Thank you for the love that you have um, shown me and thank you for the love that you've put in my heart for my brothers and sisters. Father, I pray, continue to build us, watch over us, shield us from the work of the enemy, and let your light shine through us. Lord, I find my peace in you and my confidence in your word. May you continue to strengthen my brothers and sisters as we continue to be a light to this world that's very, very dark because of your truth and your grace. Bless them, Father. And watch over them in Jesus' name. Amen.